Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of the Friends of Sanctuary podcast. I'm Mary Ann Bartels, Chief Investment Strategist at Sanctuary Wealth. Today, I'm pleased to welcome our guest, Ryan Isakainen, Senior Vice President and Exchange Traded Fund Strategist at First Trust. Welcome, Ryan, to the program. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. Now, Ryan, you and I have actually worked together for a number of years. Um, there was a time where I went out and did a roadshow, and we were educating people about markets. And your area of expertise is exchange-traded funds, or what people call ETFs. There might be some people in our audience today that don't even know what an ETF is. Can you just define what an ETF is for our audience, please? Sure, yeah. ETFs have been around for about 30 years, and they take what I think are the best attributes of equities and mutual funds and put them together. So it's like a mutual fund. In fact, it's filed as a mutual fund, but it trades on an exchange like a stock. And so you have the ability to trade throughout the day, to sell, to buy throughout the, the trading day instead of getting your pricing at the close of business. ETFs have been extremely popular in part because they tend to be much more tax efficient than traditional mutual funds. And I think that's been a, an attribute that's been um, really widely accepted and um, desired by investors. And so they've been very popular. Today, we have somewhere in the, uh, the order of about $6.8 trillion in ETFs in the US. So it's certainly an area that has grown remarkably fast in the last 30 years. There are different kinds of ETFs. Um, you have index-based ETFs. You have factor-based ETFs. You have thematic ETFs. Why don't we break each category down for our audience? So what's an index ETF? Sure, an index ETF would be a, a, just a traditional passive index like the S&P 500, where the ETF itself is buying every security within that index and passively holding them, reinvesting dividends or not, depending on you know what, what you have your brokerage firm do. So that'd be like the S&P 500. The S&P 500. Or I hear about QQQs, which is like the NASDAQ, exactly. NASDAQ 100. So those are indexed. So what are factor-based ETFs? So factor-based ETFs, uh, they came around about, say, 15, 16 years ago, where firms like First Trust decided that we wanted to introduce a set of attributes into those ETFs that have a tendency to outperform over time. And so factors are things like value, so lower price relative to earnings or cash flow or book value. Um, we look at things like quality, so high returns on equity, low earnings variability, those sorts of quality attributes, low volatility for investors that are going through a difficult time in the market. Maybe they want to have a little bit less volatility um, and, and hopefully improve on your uh, risk-adjusted returns over time. Dividends have been a really popular attribute. All of these attributes, there's a uh, quite a bit of academic research that says over time, they can deliver better returns than just a broad index. And so we've introduced those factors in a rules-based way into ETFs. And we started doing that about 15 or 16 years ago. Now, an index is passively managed, right? So it, it, it's not, it doesn't move around by a person changing. It's just the index and only changes when the index changes. And thematic, is that actively or passively managed? So thematic ETFs um, tend to be, uh, I, I look at them as being a, a hybrid approach in that they're passive, strictly speaking, because there is an index that they're representing. There's not an active manager that's making decisions. Um, their mandate is to, to track that index as closely as possible. But typically, 
thematic ETFs track indices that are more active. And so you have the, uh, the index provider closely monitoring a theme. And when we think about themes, these are things like you know, high tech themes like cloud computing or artificial intelligence and robotics um, or, or the internet itself. Um, or you know, there's a number of other different themes where you follow secular trends. Well, the index provider then says, how do we, how do we identify the companies that are going to outperform or, or at least track that theme over time? And how are we going to give representation? And usually with a theme, that's going to change over the course of its development. And so you think about the internet 20 years ago, you know, the companies that, that you would have bought to represent the internet, internet are a lot of them not around anymore. And so you have to maintain, um, you know, you have to focus on the companies that are going to best represent the, uh, that particular theme or industry and ask the question, well, if this trend plays out like we think it will, which sort of companies will benefit? And, and that doesn't always end up being the companies that today you might think will outperform. So obviously you have a lot of investment solutions at First Trust using exchange traded funds. When you're going out and, and you do a lot of um, public speaking events, when you talk to various different types of clients, and in this particular case, let's kind of focus on dealing with um, advisors and their clients. How do you recommend that they utilize ETFs in a portfolio? So that is a really broad question. Of course, every advisor and every client is different in some respects. And so uh, one of the ways that we think of ETFs is really a set of tools, right? These are tools that can help to really target specific attributes to best fit the mandate that those clients have. And so if we're thinking about factor-based ETFs, you know, what sort of risk is that client willing to, to take and how can we uh, best achieve that level of, of risk-adjusted returns. We think about you know, some of those thematic ETFs that maybe aren't as well represented in the broad indices. Um, if you're an investor that really wants to take advantage of something like artificial intelligence, which is the very the new, topical yeah, these the days. new hype uh, part of, of, of the market, um, you, know, you have to ask, well, what are the companies that 10 years from now are going to be the companies that benefit? And so uh, I think it's important that uh, investors work with financial advisors to figure out, you know, what is an appropriate allocation within their portfolio for something like artificial intelligence? Because you don't want to necessarily neglect that, right? If you neglected the internet 20 years ago, you missed out on a huge opportunity and the internet wasn't well represented in the indices. We think about, you know, the internet as a, as a part of the S&P 500 today and it's really well represented because it's grown so much. It's had all sorts of productivity and efficiency that it's added to our economy. Uh, but it wasn't that well represented 10 years ago. You, you look at the holdings in an internet ETF like our FDN, and the holdings overlap with the S&P 500 10 or 15 years ago is really, really small. And what that tells me is most investors didn't have it in their portfolios because the, the S&P 500 is just the average of what we all own. So Ryan, technology is an important component of, of, of the market. One of the things that we've been talking about is that we're in the digital era. And we think digital can be a theme that plays out over decades of time. As you've pointed out, it started in the early 2000s. This is 2023, so we're already two decades in. We think there are many more decades. So why don't you go through, if you don't mind, some of the actual solutions that First Trust has in terms of technology, whether you know it's cloud computing, whether it's AI, 
what are the different various components that advisors may want to consider uh, utilizing within a client's portfolio? Yeah, that's a really good question. We have a menu at First Trust of some 20, 20 some ETFs that would sort of fit that mandate. And again, it's somewhat dependent on what the client is looking for. Um, the themes that have been the most popular, and I think um, you know, we're, we're very bullish on over the long term, um, as we mentioned before, artificial intelligence and robotics, that sort of pairing, I think is something that is going to uh, enhance productivity, enhance efficiency. Companies are going to be transformed because of this technology. Um, and so ROBT is our, our artificial intelligence and robotics ETF, where you're getting exposure to the companies that are engaging, that are enhancing, and that are really adding that productivity to the economy. The problem is, we're early in that in that sort of uh, theme. We, we think that this has, uh, you know, as you said, multi decades to develop. And what I think probably will happen is we'll overshoot with the hype. You know, there's a lot of excitement, a lot of enthusiasm about that theme. We're going to overshoot. Where are we today? Um, it, it's tough to tell without the benefit of hindsight. And so that is one of the themes, though, that I think having a dollar cost averaging scheme where you're adding some today, adding some over time to a portfolio makes a lot of sense. I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Um, cloud mm. computing is, is really uh, another area. And, and the... Can you explain cloud computing? Sure, yeah. You know, when I first heard of cloud computing, I thought it bewitched sitting on the cloud, <laughs> right? I'm like, what is this cloud thing? Yeah. I'm sure there are some people out there that are going, what is cloud? And, and, and it's actually very important and it's growing. It, it is growing and it's becoming, um, again, an area of efficiency and productivity. Those are the sorts of themes that we think technology is best suited for if you're adding productivity and efficiency to companies. So cloud computing is essentially the idea, if you remember back you know, 20 years ago, we had a room full in every office of, of big computers and they did all the, the computing power, all the calculation, um, but you know, an office here in New York City, that is a, a chunk of real estate that's really expensive to dedicate to your computing equipment. Well, uh, fast forward, we have broadband internet connection now, and we can locate the computing power and resources anywhere around the world in, in the cheapest real estate where it's easiest to cool your equipment. Um, and it's really, cloud computing is, instead of having a local system of computing power and storage and software, it's located elsewhere. And, and you can efficiently access that via broadband internet connections. And so cloud computing, you know, companies that have developed these huge ecosystems, um, that is, has been an enormous source of their revenue growth over the last several years. And we think that uh, we're still at the front edge of that. That's going to continue to develop because it's a much more efficient way to access computing power and storage. And you have an ETF for that? We do. So SKYY is our cloud computing ETF. Sky. Sky, yes. There's clouds in the sky, right? I love it. Um, yeah. So that is an ETF that we launched somewhere around 10 years ago, um, again, to, to provide exposure to the companies that we think will benefit from this trend over time. It's not always the companies that you, know, you think of off the top of your head. We try to identify companies with our index provider, providing this sort of intellectual capital uh, of the companies that are going to benefit from that over time that maybe are not as well represented in clients' portfolios today. So now that we've covered a lot in technology, what are some of the other themes that clients are very interested in right now? Yeah, 
You know, one of the things about thematic investing that I think is important is uh, diversifying your sources of potential excess returns. And what I mean by that is, you know, if we look at some of these technology themes, oftentimes there are macro factors that will have a, an impact on them similarly. In other words, rates go up, a lot of those high growth themes like technology may go down and, and the opposite may also be true. Um, but there are other long-term trends where you can, you can access thematic investments like infrastructure, for example. You know, infrastructure has been, um, you, you think about the linkages to other themes like this, this whole movement of green energy. If we're going to uh, create power with, with solar panels and windmills and all sorts of other um, power sources that may be developed over the next several decades, those aren't located in the same places where coal burning power plants are or where um, you know, the, the nuclear plants are. And so we have to build infrastructure. We have to build power lines. We have to make them more um, intelligent. We have to have the, the two-way flow of electrons. And that's going to cost trillions of dollars. Now the president, President Biden, actually signed a bill, I think, at least a year ago. Yeah. Um, that was the infrastructure bill to help incentivize the building out of That's infrastructure. Right. That's so right. we do have some of the financial resources, hopefully, to be able to do that. And I think that's important, especially as you know, the economy slows and perhaps we head into a recession, you've got a source of funding from those programs that will um, continue to, I think, provide the ability to invest in that infrastructure. And so, again, the question is, which companies are going to benefit? And it's probably not the companies that most people think. And so we have an ETF, for example, GRID, G-R-I-D. That is our smart grid infrastructure ETF that focuses very specifically on the companies that will benefit from the build out of that sort of green energy infrastructure over time. And there are other sorts of infrastructure as well. We think of, um, you know, again, part of that infrastructure bill uh, funded water projects. You know, we take for granted water because we turn on a tap and it, and it just flows, right? Uh, we don't recognize that our water systems were put into place decades ago and they don't last forever. And we're at a point now where over the next couple of decades, most of that's going to need to turn over here in the U.S. And what a lot of people don't realize is water is the most scarcest commodity on the planet. That's right. We're very or blessed. clean, I should say, clean water. Clean, drinkable water. We're blessed here in the U.S. because we have the Great Lakes. We've got a lot of water resources, but especially around the world, um, there's, a, there's a scarcity. You're absolutely right. I think that's the right term. Um, and, and so the, then the question is, well, how do you how do you invest in this? How do you do you buy a lake? Do you, do you buy <laughs> right? So one of the ways to invest in it is buy the companies that are going to be instrumental in providing the pipes and the valves and the fittings and the, the engineering, the infrastructure. Right. So FIW is our first trust water ETF. Um, and again, it's companies that, uh, that that populate that ETF that most people probably are less familiar with. They don't necessarily know these companies. They're small industrial firms, uh, but they've done tremendously well over the last 10 or 15 years since we launched that FIW. I think we launched in 2007. Now, a lot of clients are interested in dividends. Certainly when we were at zero interest rates, right? We had Tina, there was no alternative. So everybody went to equities mm -hmm. and they got price appreciation plus their dividends. Now we do have interest rates. But I still think many clients will still look to equities for dividends. What are some of the solutions that you provide um, clients in terms of exchange-traded funds for dividends? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question, too. And I think uh, what investors need to really identify is, are they looking for dividends in terms of yield? So do they want a really high dividend yield, 
or are they more looking for dividend growth? And we provide the tools depending on you know what what sort of uh, what their objectives are, right? So uh, one of the ETFs that I'm very kind of excited about is uh, ticker RDVI. We also have RDVY. RDVY and RDVY track the same index essentially. They, they track the same uh, you know rules. Um, and they're really focused on companies that have the potential to raise dividends over time. That's really what the mandate is. Um, the difference between the two ETFs is RDVI actually writes calls, writes call options in order to Those generate. Those are options. That's right. And so you take a portion of the portfolio and you say, well, I'm going to, um, I'm going to forego potential upside on that portion of the portfolio. It's not the whole portfolio, but in exchange for that, I'm going to have a, a dividend yield or a distribution yield that's much higher. And so especially in a market, um, you know, the volatility has, has eased off a bit, but especially as volatility uh, moves higher, you have the potential to write options at a higher premium. And so that, and that generates income into the portfolio. That generates income, exactly. And so, you know, you can have the RDVY, which I don't off the top of my head remember what the yield is, but somewhere around 2%, not, not a huge yield. Or you can have RDVI, which substantially enhances that level of income that a client would receive. So let's switch gears a little bit um, and go to the fixed income market. Yeah. So the Federal Reserve has raised rates uh, probably the most aggressive in at least our careers and maybe even 40 years. Some people said, some people even say it's an unprecedented increase. We basically went from zero to 5% in just over a year. Um, that hurt the, the, the bond portfolios last year as interest rates were going up. One of the solutions that you have in terms of your fixed income exchange traded funds um, is that you actively manage your fixed income ETFs. Why don't you talk a little bit about your philosophy on the fixed income side and how you're managing your fixed income ETFs? Yeah, that's right. We, we have about $33 billion in actively managed fixed income ETFs. And that's a big distinction, I think, between the passive indexes and the active ETFs. On a passive index, just from a high level philosophically, uh, we, we chose to go actively managed because the way that passive indexes are structured typically when it comes to fixed income is you gather all of the constituents that have issued bonds and then you assign weights on the basis of how much debt they have outstanding. In other words, if I've borrowed more, I'm going to have more representation in the index. From a risk management standpoint, that doesn't make any sense to me that I'm going to lend more money to somebody just because they've got more debt outstanding. It seems like maybe the opposite should be true. And so, at a, again, at a high level, we want to identify companies that can not just issue a lot of debt, but actually can repay that debt. And if they don't repay that debt, that have the ability uh, with their collateral to maybe have a, a recapture at the end. But we, especially when you're dealing with below investment grade credit, whether that's high yield, whether that's senior loans, whether that's preferred securities, we believe active management is critical. And so those are the, those are the solutions that we have provided. Uh, today, First Trust is the largest provider of actively managed fixed income ETFs in the industry. Uh, we've also partnered with some really, um, really great sub-advisors um, in, in areas where they have really strong expertise. So for example, in the core plus area, we have worked with TCW, which is uh, their phenomenal manager, great at managing risk, great at taking advantage of opportunities. 
uh, as they present themselves. And so FIXD is our sort of core plus portfolio. Uh, they've also got an unconstrained portfolio, which is UCON that, that TCW sub-advises. Uh, but, but again, we've got a nice suite of actively managed fixed income ETFs. So you mentioned a couple of, of different uh, ETFs you have. Um, why don't you mention a couple of more? Do you have any on preferreds? I've been getting a lot of questions yeah. on preferreds. So there's actually two preferred ETFs. Uh, there is uh, FPE, which is our, our sort of flagship preferred ETF. It's managed by Stonebridge as a sub-advisor, which is an affiliate of First Trust. They've done a phenomenal job of managing uh, for risk-adjusted returns. Um, and they also have a, a portfolio that focuses on just the institutional preferreds, that's FPEI. So those are the $1,000 preferreds, which instead of the $25 face value preferreds tend to be a little bit uh, less volatile. You oftentimes have uh, fixed afloat coupons attached to those. And so you have the ability as rates move higher to actually um, have your income level rise with that. And so they tend to be a little bit less interest rate risk uh, sensitive than uh, traditional preferred, but both FPE and FPEI would be those two preferred ETFs. And what would you say at the moment are the most, um, where clients are finding the most interest in fixed income? What, what are the most popular ones at the moment? Yeah, the most popular have actually been in that core space. I think there's, you know, we look back before rates started moving higher and there was, there was sort of a, a necessity to allocate to fixed income, hopefully for some sort of a ballast, right? As risk assets went down, you hope that your fixed income holds up a little bit better. Uh, unfortunately, last year, that didn't end up being true for much of the time because we had uh, huge rate increases at the same time. But the silver lining to that is, well, now we've got higher rates. And so I think there's a lot of money, if I look at flows in the first trust lineup, have moved back into just those simple core and core plus strategies. So FIXD is our, our core plus ETF. Um, that has had the strongest net inflows so far this year in 2023. Um, you know, we look at some of the other um, more, more credit sensitive areas like high yield and senior loans. Um, those haven't had as strong of net inflows yet. I think part of the reason why is because, um, you know, a lot of investors have a more negative view of the economy and credit spreads are not quite as wide as they would hope they're to pretty justify. they're pretty tight well they're not they're not tight but they're not as wide as they should be Got i it. think in the minds of, of many investors and so the question you ask is are, am i being comp, uh, compensated for taking this risk and i think many investors are waiting for that compensation to get a little bit better got it now you have something that's called bufferded ETFs? That's right. Buffered ETFs. What is that? <laughs> I, I have to honestly say, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. If I look at since the end of 2019, the strongest area of growth in the First Trust ETF lineup, it is those buffered ETFs. A buffered ETF is similar to, uh, if you think back, you know, years and years, there's been structured products that, that provide some level of downside protection. Okay, I know what you're talking about now. Providing uh, performance to the upside as well. So Buffered ETF does just that. It uses um, a, a package of options to provide you participation in the upside of the market while protecting you from some level of downside. Now, in exchange for that downside protection, you end up being capped on the upside. Which means you may not go up as much as the market. That's right. So we look at, you know, there's different structures, but let's say you've got a year uh, portfolio, which then resets at the end of the year. And we may say something like, well, you get point for point performance that matches the S&P 500 or the SPY. 
um, up to 15%. Anything above 15% over that year period, you're going to forego. But in exchange for that, we're going to protect you on the first 10% of your downside. So in other words, if the market goes down 10%, you don't go down 10% with that exchange-traded fund. That's exactly right. So, that's exactly right. So are you seeing with the markets now um, up substantially for the year, mm -hmm. are you seeing any interest in these ETFs? These ETFs have been very, very popular. And I think in particular, in the environment we're in today where the market has moved higher and investors are saying, well, you know, I, I want to be invested in the market, but I'm a little bit nervous that we're going to have a pullback because, you know, you look around at the economy and you just wonder, well, how, how sustainable is some of this growth? Uh, is the Fed policy that, that operates with a lag going to end up having an impact on these businesses and having an impact on markets. And so I think a lot of investors are saying, well, I want to protect some downside, but I don't want to miss out on that upside. So will I be willing to accept, you know, 15% upside in my example? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good trade-off. And so they've been very popular. And it gives, I guess, some clients the ability to sleep at night, knowing right. that, that they have a little bit of protection in the portfolio. Well, I'd like to ask a little bit about you. Okay. How did you wind up coming to Wall Street? How did you gain your interest in, in markets? I think like many people, it was uh, a combination of good fortune, happenstance, luck. Um, I uh, think back to where I was when I, I started my career at First Trust. This is my 24th year at the firm. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. Not Thank many you people can say that these I days. Know. It's... it's um, They've, they've put up with me for 20, this is my 24th year, so 23 plus years. Um, you know, I wanted to do something that would help people. I wanted to do something uh, with my life. And I look, you know, I'm, I'm 46. So I've been at First Trust for more than half of my life, which is also, I think, pretty remarkable. <laughs> yes. Um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And I, I like many 20-something-year-olds, um, just took a job. And I found out that I was really, I really enjoyed it. I, what I didn't realize when I was thinking about what I wanted to do with my career uh, was that in this industry, that's exactly what you're doing. This is financial services. You're serving other people. You're helping them figure out what to do with their life savings. The, all, all that they Which is key, for. especially moving into retirement, because surveys show that there are many people out there that don't have enough to retire, or one of the biggest concerns clients have is that they'll run out of money in retirement. That's right. And a lot of a lot of young people don't realize that this is an industry that actually does help people and guide people, especially during bear markets. That's right? right. It's easy during a bull market. That's right. right. I've always said throw a dart, and you know most of the time you'll do well. But when markets start going down, people become very fearful. And that's generally when they make the mistakes in the portfolios. That's absolutely right. And that's when we hold their hands and guide them. That's when the value of the financial professional is at, is at its most important. That the financial professional, the financial advisor, is the only thing standing behind that between that client and a bad decision that could have a really long-term impact on their the, when they can retire, when they can send their kids to college, when they can leave a legacy for their grandkids, um, and. You know, again, I didn't understand that until I, I just happened to take a job because I needed a job. And then I realized because I took my job early, uh, early January of 2000. And as you know, that was right. That Things was were right at the peak. Really good. That, that was, was right. right at the peak of the Internet bubble. That's right. The Internet bubble burst uh, a few months after 
I started my career at First Trust. And again, I got to see firsthand the importance of what we do and what financial advisors do. Because markets that. went down for two years. I think sometimes one of the best lessons we can have in our career is to experience a bear market. Oh, yeah. And, and no, it's not always that easy. And you learn a tremendous amount. But I think what's also important to remind people when we look at the history of markets, that they move from the lower left to the upper right. We do get bear markets, but we recover. Right. And one of the biggest mistakes I think both probably you and I have seen are those clients that bail on the markets and then they don't come back in again. That's right. And, and markets are incredibly difficult to, to time. You know, coming into 2023, who would have guessed that we would be up as much as we are? And I know a lot of people that I've spoken with, friends, neighbors, um, that are waiting for a pullback now. And, you know, I think there'll be a pullback at some point. I don't know if it'll be at a, to a lower level than today, but will I have the fortitude to actually go in and buy it when there is a pullback? That's another question entirely. Right, because normally on a pullback, the news is bad. There's a reason for a pullback. Exactly. <laughs> but it gets to your point that you brought up earlier, dollar cost averaging. That's right. Where you have a systematic approach of always adding money into the portfolio. Yeah, that is the secret to long-term returns, I think. Always adding money, not, not picking a point in time and saying, this is the best price I'm going to get, but recognizing that markets are volatile. That's, that's one attribute of the market that's undeniable over time. And so dollar cost averaging in, uh, I think is, you know, uh, it's one of those simple concepts that we all learned back, you know, at the start of our careers, um, that is, you know, it's, it's a, one of the most important um, keys to success, I think, for most investors over time. And the other thing I want to bring up is you at First Trust have many different types of solutions depending on your goals and depending on the type of market we're in. Exactly. And I think that's very key and important is the diversification of, of products that you actually offer. And we look at our role as providing the tools and the resources for financial professionals to help their clients. And that's, you know, we, we understand our role is, is that. We're not a firm at First Trust where we uh, market directly to investors because we recognize the importance and that that relationship that financial advisors have are, is ultimately what's going to determine whether they bail at the wrong time, like we've been talking about, or whether they have the fortitude to, to stay invested and to, to dollar cost average into markets when they're weak. Um, we recognize that our job is to provide the best tools possible to help advisors as they do that. So Ryan, when you're not strategizing on how to help um, advisors and clients uh, invest in ETFs, what, what do you do as, as hobbies? Are there any interesting hobbies that you have? So I have four kids um, and they take up a lot of my free time. So I would say my, <laughs> I, I'm like a part-time Uber driver, but I don't get paid for it. Uh, but no, I, I enjoy going to see them play soccer and lacrosse. And my, my other, my two daughters are, are both dancers. Um, they're very, very talented. So I enjoy doing that. I also, uh, when I want to sort of be clear my head. I'm, I'm a, a runner. Um, you might not know that by looking at me, but I actually um, do run quite a bit. And uh, I find that to be a time when I can kind of clear my head and, and think and just have some uh, some time of solitude. I'd like to say I'm an avid golfer, but I am a terrible golfer. So I enjoy uh, getting outside, though. Oh, that's terrific. Uh, one of the things I like to ask my guests um, is about mentoring. It's something that I, I value 
Um, it was very important for me and my career. And I always want to leave advice um, for any of our young uh, viewers or listeners on, you know, if they're thinking about coming to Wall Street or they're early in their career on Wall Street, what would be some advice that you would like to leave them with? I think what we've been talking about in terms of serving the client is perhaps the most important lesson that I learned early in my career. You know, there's, I think there's a perception of our industry that it's all about money and it's all about, you know, what you can earn for yourself, maybe what you can earn for your client. And that is also really important. I don't want to discount the, you know, we all want to get paid for what we do, but when we step behind, you know, take a step back, we're part of a system that creates capital, that there's, there's capital formation that happens that helps the economy, that helps innovation take place. We're also helping investors um, achieve their financial goals. And I think, again, early on in your career, maybe people don't understand that and they end up focusing on the wrong things. And I think if you have the perspective where you're serving the client, where you're serving others around you, you're going to be much more successful. And that's what I try to encourage people that, that work you know, on my team. Uh, we we want to make sure that that's our perspective. It's it's not about me. It's not about you know you. It's it's about our clients, and I think that is one of the keys to success that has been most important. As I look back early on in my career, you know, I had mentors show that to me, and again, I think that's tremendously important. That that's great advice, Ryan. I want to thank you so much for being with us today. The conversation was engaging, very educational. Um, and I can't thank you enough uh, for joining us. And I want to thank all of you for joining in and listening or watching our podcast today. Thank you for watching or listening to the Friends of Sanctuary podcast. Tune in next month to be sure not to miss out on the next installment of the series. Securities offered through Sanctuary Securities, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Advisory services offered through Sanctuary Advisors, LLC, and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Sanctuary Securities, Inc. and Sanctuary Advisors, LLC are wholly owned subsidiaries of Sanctuary Wealth Group, LLC. You should consider a fund's investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses carefully before investing. You can download a prospectus or summary prospectus or contact First Trust Portfolios, LP, at 1-800-625-1675. To request a prospectus or summary prospectus which contains this and other information about a fund. The prospectus or summary prospectus should be read carefully before investing. You can lose money by investing in a fund. An investment in a fund is not a deposit of a bank and is not insured or guaranteed. There can be no assurance that a fund's objectives will be achieved. Investors buying or selling shares on the secondary market may incur customary brokerage commissions. Please refer to each fund's prospectus and statement of additional information for additional details on a fund's risks. The information presented is not intended to constitute an investment recommendation for or advice to any specific person. By providing this information, First Trust is not undertaking to give advice in any fiduciary capacity within the meaning of ERISA, the Internal Revenue Code, or any other regulatory framework. Financial professionals are responsible for evaluating investment risks independently and for exercising independent judgment in determining whether investments are appropriate for their clients.